visitors today. Amen. I'm so glad you guys came. For those of you that don't know me that well, like he said, my name is Cindy. And um, I gave my life to Christ not even a year ago. I gave my life to Christ on November 18, 2007. So my year is coming up soon. I'm a baby Christian, but um, I'm very strong in my faith. And I praise God for everything that he's done in my life. I um I lived a crazy life, you know, I, I grew up in a house which was like half atheist and half Catholic, you know, somewhat I believed in God, but not to the point that I would serve him. You know, my parents got saved when I was about 10 years old, I guess, and um, and at that point they tried to take us to church, but me and my sisters, we just like, we just had this rebellious attitude, like, we're just going to go for the boys, and let's see what's going on there, you know, and um and obviously, we weren't ready to serve God, and we were not taking God serious. And um, as time went by and I got older, I told my parents, you know what, I just don't want to go to church anymore. I want to do my own thing. And so then my sister, and when I said that, that I was going to do my own thing, um, that was pretty bad. <laughs> you know, I did the craziest things that I never thought I would do. I um, lived a bisexual lifestyle. I moved out of my house at the age, as soon as I turned 18, I dropped out of high school at the age of 17. But, um, and that's just basically my past, that's where I came from. And like I said, on November 18th, I had an encounter with God, and at that point, I had to make a decision. I had to make the decision of living in the world or living for God. And I knew that if I was going to step God and live for, for God, that I was going to have to leave things behind. And basically what I was going to leave behind was my lifestyle. It was I was going to have to leave behind the things that I did every day. You know, I had to leave behind the friends that would influence me to drink. You know, I had to leave the liquor behind and, and a lot of things. And it was very hard, but I knew. I knew at that point that God was real and I had to get right with him. And I did. And he led me back to this church. And he has done amazing things. I mean, come on. Just just last year, I was probably getting drunk at this time in my apartment, you know what I'm saying? And and here I am today serving the Lord, and, and God is just amazing. He could do anything he wants, and if we want him to change us, he will change you. So um, I'm going to talk today about humility. And before I start with my message, well, first of all, um, I found out that me and Berta were going to be rotating at the end of every mo- month because... Um, Adolfo, who's the new pastor now, and Pastor Joe um, recommended for me and Berta to preach at the, at the end of every month. So I was really excited, and when I first got saved, I'm like, I just want to preach. I just want to grab the mic and talk about God. That's all I wanted to do. And it's funny, but I have a lot of messages that I did. I probably have like six, not a lot, but <laughs> but I had them prepared. <laughs> I got you. <laughs> and... Um, I remember as I was um, thinking, what am I going to preach about? What can I preach about? I was in prayer, and the Lord told me, preach about humility. And I said, yeah, humility sounds good. I'm pretty humble, you know. I'm humble at church. I'm a good servant. You know, the pastor tells me to do something. I'll run and do it, you know. My um, Susie tells me to do something. Sure, Susie. You know what I'm saying? Adolfo asks me to do something. I'll do it. I have a pretty humble attitude in school. But... So I started re- uh, preparing my message, and I started reading scriptures, and I started really focusing in, in what God wanted me to be and how God expected me to be humble. 
I realized that I, that I lacked something and that I had something that I did not know I had. And I realized that I had pride in my heart and that I wasn't humble at home. So it was very easy for me to be humble here at church and in my school, but I struggled with that at home. And as I prayed, I said, Lord, I don't want to preach about humility anymore. I don't think I, I'm fit to do, preach this message. I don't think I'm fit to preach something that I'm not. And, um, and I told myself, what am I going to do? Maybe I should just preach about love, the love of God. That would be so easy, you know. God loves me. God loves you. I got a lot of things to say about that. But the Lord was like, no, I want you to preach about humility. And in my head I'm thinking, no, that's not right because I'm not humble. And I realized that if I'm, ch- I'm humble at church and I'm humble in school, but I'm not humble at home, then I'm not humble at all. Am I right? Because that, that made me a hypocrite. Truly made me a hypocrite. And I am not, um, I was like, how am I going to say that I'm a hypocrite to my youth, <laughs> you know? But that's what I was. And the Lord was trying to get my attention. The funny thing is that I usually pray since I got saved. I usually tell the Lord, Lord, just speak to me. If there's anything in my heart that's not of you, point it out to me. I want to change. So there he is. He brought me humility. He pointed out to me that I had to work in this area of my life. And it's been three months since I've prepared this message. <laughs> <It's awful. laughs> um, and it gave me enough time to search my heart and know how I was supposed to change. <laughs> Susie could testify to that. Amen. And, um, and even till now, I still struggle with it. It's really hard for me to, to just be completely submissive at home and completely a servant and completely humble. And, um, you know, I read the, the definition of humility, or actually humble, and it says, marked by, by meekness or modesty in behavior, attitude, or spirit, not arrogant or prideful, showing submissive respect. And I definitely like that at home, you know. I was a very, and my sister could testify to that, amen. I was always very rebellious with my parents, very rebellious, and so was she. <laughs> so, <laughs> just that one looked like I was the only one. But um, so when I moved back to my parents' house, it was like going, going back, and it's like now I have to submit, and, and I was living on my own, and I didn't have any rules and all that. That just made it a little bit worse, you know. So, but as you know, as time is going by, like I realize that God is changing me. But it took, it takes a lot, you know. But we can do all things through Christ who strengthens us. Amen. So um, one thing that I did want to mention is because I was reading this, and I'm thinking. What, what was Jesus like? And I read Philippians 2.5, so if we could turn there. Open your Bibles to Philippians 2.5. It says, Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, but in humility consider others better than yourselves. Each of you should look not only to your own interests, but also to the interests of others. Your attitude should be the same as that of Jesus Christ. So pause right there. What was Jesus' attitude like? Like, What was he like? If you were to go back in time and just focus on him and focus and see everything that he was doing, what what was Jesus like? You know, I could read the four Gospels to you right now, and it will probably take two days, or maybe one day. But I could read the whole thing, and I could just walk you through it. And every time that Jesus walked, every time that he was walking through any town, he would stop to help somebody. It didn't matter what he had to do. If he saw there was somebody in need, somebody who needed something, 
he stopped. He made time for those people. When he saw the crippled man by the pool, he knew that man needed help. Jesus paused and helped him. And that, that is Jesus' attitude throughout the four Gospels. That, that's all he does. He still rebukes and corrects a lot of people, and he speaks the truth, and he brings the Gospel on, amen? But uh, the most important thing is that he helped people. Jesus was humble. Verse 6 says, For being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, but made himself nothing, taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man. He humbled himself, and he became obedient to the death, even death on the cross. Therefore God exalted him to the highest place, and gave him the name that is above every name, that, that at the name of Jesus Christ every knee shall bow, in heaven and on earth, and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord, to the glory of God the Father. So when I read that, you know, just even verse 6, it says, who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be rest, but he made himself nothing, taking the very nature of a servant. I don't, I don't think that we understand what that means. Do you, Jesus Christ was in heaven, he had angels flying around his throne saying, Holy, holy, holy is the God Almighty. He lived, in, he lived in peace. He had joy. I mean, come on, he was in heaven. He, did, he didn't need anything at that time. Jesus was fine. But he loved us, and he knew that we needed him. He didn't need us. We needed him. We needed salvation. We were lost. And he decided to leave heaven for us to become nothing, to become our servant. It's like you create a, a, a toy with Play-Doh and then you feel like it's not working, so you become Play-Doh to find out how he feels and, and how you could help it and how you could, I don't know, make it work or whatnot. I don't know how to explain it. But we were his creation and he became like us. And he came here to serve us. He came here to, to heal our sick, to raise our dead, to bring salvation to us. We were lost. We were in darkness, and he came for us. When our pastor was walking in darkness, when he was mad at God, you know, cursing out God in front of the, the church, you know, when he was lost, getting lost in, in his alcohol and all that, Jesus stopped, and he came for him. You know what I'm saying? Jesus didn't need uh, Adolfo. Adolfo needed Jesus. And Jesus came for him, you know. But Jesus doesn't force himself on nobody, you know. If you want to accept him into your heart, fine. Praise God. He will bless you. You will, you will go to heaven. But if you don't, you just lost out in heaven. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> um, so, yeah, and I, I believe this is the most important scripture. And as I read it, like, everything about this scripture is just so powerful. It, like, tells you everything that you should do. And going back to um, verse 3, it says, Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, but in humility consider others better than yourself. Each of you should look not only to your own interests, but also to the interests of others. Now this is Paul speaking. And he's not speaking to unbelievers. He's not speaking to everybody in the world. Right now he's speaking to those people that call themselves Christian. He's talking to those people who are followers of Christ. If you follow Christ and you love him, can you raise your hand? Oh, I like this. Amen. I'm happy. Amen. <laughs> so this goes for mostly all of us, you know. 
this is how we should be. We should do everything out of, not out of selfish ambition, but we should care about others' needs. It's like I know my shoes might not be the nicest ones, and I really want some, some nice shoes, and I, or I maybe want um, more shirts, but I really don't need them because I got shirts. And then I think about people in Africa, there were, you know, people in Mozambique that don't even have a shirt. And here I am worried that I only have like 20 shirts, you know? And what about them? You know, our attitude as Christians should be like, hey, I don't need shirts right now. I'm fine. But they're not. I could put aside $10 and send it to, to Tisa and Jean. Amen? That's our attitude should be. That's us, that's what should make the difference about us. That's how we should be as Christians. I mean, our attitude should be way different than the attitude of people in the world. We cannot be like them. We cannot worry about buying $250 uh, shoes, Jordans or whatever. And, I mean, it's okay to have nice things. That's fine. But, to, you know, give, spend $250 and not even tithe? There's something wrong with that. we got to make God our main priority. we got to serve God and love him. Amen? So, and as I was saying, you know, like, as I, as I read all this and I think about everything that Jesus said and I think about the way Jesus was, I mean, I know that I'm very far from it and we probably all are very far from, you know, being like Jesus, but that's what we should strive to be. And, you know, and, and not just, and, I, and I've heard this a lot. A lot of people will say, well, I'm not perfect. Nobody's perfect. You're right. But that shouldn't stop you from wanting to be. That shouldn't stop you from trying your hardest to be perfect, to please Jesus, to please God. In, in First Peter, First Peter 5, 5, you could turn your Bibles there with me, please. says, young men, in the same way, be submissive to those who are older. All of you clothe yourselves with humility toward one another, because God opposes the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. Humble yourself, therefore, under God's mighty hand, that he may lift you up in due time. That just says pretty much everything. My whole message is just right there in that little verse. And it's funny, because if you look through the Bible, like, that scripture right there, God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble, is mentioned a lot. And it's, it's, it's a, a scripture from, the, um, from Proverbs, and it's mentioned throughout the New Testament five times, I believe, or four times. And it's, it's so true. Like God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. God opposes you. If there's pride in your heart, if you're proudful in your relationship with God, if you're proudful with your parents, God is opposing that, you know. God is opposing that attitude. And I see that, I mean, every, in everything that I did, I was, when I wasn't saved, I was very prideful in school. I, I was very proud. And I remember, like, the teacher who told me to do something, who is she to tell me what to do, you know? I don't live with her. I don't need to do homework. Why is she giving me an F? I try every now and then. I come to school four days a week, you know? <laughs> And it's like my attitude was not right, and I was so prideful, and I would always get kicked out of school, I mean, kicked out of class because of my attitude. I would talk back. I would not respect. I would not be submissive. I would not obey. 
and there were consequences to that. How many of you guys know that if you do something wrong, there's consequences? And God will not, he will not support you. God will not be there for you. He will not give you grace. So even if I pray like, God, I know that I have pride and I know that, that I disobey and I got an F, but please help me. He's not going to give me grace. He's not. He's supposing that attitude that I have, and it's the result of that. I'm 19 years old, going on 20, and I'm still in high school. I'm in an alternative school when I should be in college with most of my friends. And I'm not because of that attitude, and I'm still paying the consequences today. You know, and the same pride that I had, I had with my parents, like I mentioned it before, but it was way worse back then. I mean, back then, my dad would tell me something, and I would walk out of the house not saying a word. I even hit my dad once, you know. I was very prideful, and I just did not care. I did not want to be submissive. I wanted to do whatever it is that I wanted to do. I didn't care about anyone else or anyone and anybody else's needs but mine and what I wanted. I ended up moving out. And what, what did I get out of that? Well, I'm in a lot of debt right now, a lot of debt, you know, because I lived on my own. I didn't know how to handle my bills. I was not ready for it. And my parents were very unhappy with me, like I – broke my parents' heart. I broke our, fam- our family apart. And, you know, right now we're trying to fix things, but there's still things that are very hard to fix, you know. There's still that little stain that needs to be rubbed off. And that's the result of my attitude. That was opposing me back then. And I probably prayed, prayed, God, help me. I can't stand my family. Help them, you know. And God, but the problem was not them. It was me the whole time. And it took for me to humble myself for God to give me grace. And, man, one thing that I love about God is that when you're prideful, I don't know if you've ever noticed this, but I've noticed that when I have pride or when I feel very proud about something, that will humiliate me in a second. Like if I feel like I'm the best student in my school right now and I got straight A's and I've said it before, so I'm sorry, Lord. But if I act like that, that will knock me right down and say, no, 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 you don't act like that. Because that's not what Jesus was like. Did Jesus go around saying, hey, I'm God. Get on your knees right now. No. And he had all the right to, right? He is God. We were the the ones that were supposed to be serving him. You know, he should have washed his disciples' feet. He didn't. That's how we should be. But, man, I just, I just adore God so much. And as I was looking for um, examples of pride, I bumped into the book of Jonah. And um, those of you guys that have been saved for a while and went to Sunday school are pretty familiar with this story. If not, um, we will read it today. So you could turn to the book of Jonah today. Now, Jonah was a man of God. He had served um, God for a while and whatnot. And... and God was asking Jonah to do something. He was asking Jonah to go into a city, city and preach against it, you know. Just like he asks us now to go out in the streets and make disciples of all nations, he was asking Jonah personally to go somewhere and talk about God and preach against that city. So verse number one says, The word of the Lord came to Jonah, Go to the great city of Nebeth and preach against it, because its wickedness has come upon before me. But Jonah ran away from the Lord and headed to Tarshish. He went down to Joppa, where he found a ship bound, to, bound for that port. After paying the fare, he went aboard and sailed to Tarshish, 
to flee from the Lord. So as Jonah was being asked to do something, God said, hey, Leilani, I want you to go right over there and talk to those people. And I could just imagine what Jonah was thinking at this time. He was probably thinking, hey, man, I've been serving God for too long, and and I've done it before, and I really don't want to get judged at this point. I really don't want to to, um, not be able to spend time with my family. I don't want to go see God right now. I mean, see see those people and tell them that they need to get right with God. You know, they're probably going to throw stones at me. They're probably going to judge me. They're probably going to point their finger at me. They probably don't want me there. I don't want to go through that. I'd rather stay at home and and watch TV or whatnot. And see, that was pride, because he was not being the humble servant that God was calling him to be. At that point, Jonah was like, I'm gonna, I care about what I want right now, and right now I don't want to obey God. Right now I want to do, what did he do? He went to, um, he went in the ship, and he went to a city of Tarshish. So he's like, I want a vacation right now. I don't want to serve God right now. I want to disobey God because, it's more important for me right now to go on vacation than to serve God. And that was not an attitude that God liked. And God got very upset because it says Jonah ran away. Jonah basically said, Lord, I'm going to run away from you. And that was very stupid. I mean, who runs away from God? He sees everything. Like, you will figure this guy knows that by now, but it says he ran away. So then the Lord sent a great wind on the sea. And such a violent storm arose that the ship threatened to break. All the sailors were afraid, and each cried out to his own God. And they threw the cargo into the sea and to light on the ship. But Jonah had gone below the deck, and where he lay down and he fell asleep. The captain went to him and said, How can you sleep? Get up and call on your God. Maybe he will take notice of us and we will not perish. Then the sailors said to each other, Come, let us cast lots to find out who is responsible for this calamity. They cast lots, and the lot fell on Jonah. So they asked him, Tell us, who is responsible for making all this trouble for us? What did you do? Where do you come from? What is your country? From what people are you? He answered, I am a Hebrew, and I worship the Lord, the God of heaven, who made the sea and the land. This terrified them, and they asked, What have you done? They knew that he was running away from the Lord because he had already told them so. The sea was getting rougher and rougher, so they asked him, What should we do to make the sea come down for us? Jonah said, Pick me up and throw me into the sea, and it will become calm. I know that it's my fault that this great storm has come upon you. So basically he tries to run away from God, and he says this huge storm because God is so mad that Jonah was so dumb that Jonah decided to be proud. God was opposing him at that time, so he sends this wind and, and all this storm. I could just imagine like a little mini, um, what do you call that? I can't remember. A hurricane. <laughs> and then everybody's scared, like, what's going on? This doesn't usually happen. And then they find out that it was Jonah's fault. And these people are scared because they know God who created the land and, and the sea. God Almighty is a powerful God, you know? And they're like, what are we going to do? What are we going to do with you? So he's like, throw me into the sea so you'll be safe. Verse 13 says, instead the men did their best to, to row back to land, but they could not. Because how many of you guys know that if God wants something, we cannot go against it? For the sea grew even wilder than before. Then they cried out to the Lord, O oh Lord, please do not let us die for taking this man's life. Do not hold us accountable for killing an innocent man for you, O oh Lord. Have done as you have done as you please. 
Then they took Jonah and threw him overboard, and the raging sea grew calm. The men were greatly feared. The, the men greatly feared, feared the Lord, and they offered a sacrifice to the Lord and made vows to him. So check that out. Jonah was prideful. Jonah gets thrown into the sea. But then the men who were in the ship, they realized that in the beginning it says that they didn't really serve God. They had their own God. And what did they do? They offered a sacrifice to the Lord and made vows to him. You know, they realized how powerful God was, and they started praying to him now. They started sacrificing things to him now. But the Lord provided a great fish to swallow Noah. And Jonah was inside the fish for three days and three nights. That's got to be painful. God was really opposing Jonah. So he not only sends a storm to come and and wreck the ship, but he also sends a huge fish to come and swallow him. And he's in there for three days and three nights. How many of you guys know that he was humble at that time? And and we're not going to read the whole thing, but in in chapter 2, it's a prayer that Jonah is saying. And when you read that prayer, you notice that that Jonah is not the same Jonah that ran, that ran away from God once. You notice that there's something different in his attitude. And there was. Jonah humbled himself at that point and repented. And what did God do? In verse, um, chapter 3, verse 1 says, um, okay, so then the Lord after that, uh, as, as soon as the Lord saw that God, I mean that Jonah humbled himself, God showed him grace. And even though it was three days and three nights later, he sent that fish into, you know, the shore, and he commanded the, the fish to throw him up. Must have been disgusting, but God showed him grace. And, I mean, Jonah could have just died there, you know. He could have just died there, but, no, he humbled himself, and God showed him grace. And then as soon as Jonah was out, um, chapter 3, verse 1 says, then the word of the Lord came to Jonah in a second time. Go to the great city of Nebeth and, pre- and proclaim, it, proclaim to it the message I give you. Verse 3 says, Jonah obeyed the word of the Lord and went to Nebeth. He did not say a word. He just went. He was humble then. You could tell right away that it's not the same Jonah that ran away from God once. Now he was being obedient to God. And, and you know, I think that all of us go through some things like that, you know, in our walk with God as we're walking with the Lord. You know, we struggle with things, and, and the Lord will catch our attention and say, hey, that's not right, you know. Hey, Cindy, don't act like that at home. you got to respect your parents. you got to help them out. You can't, you can't be a two-faced, you know. And, and he will punish you for certain things, and we deserve it, and it helps us with our walk with God. And, and at times I even ask myself, Lord, how can I be more like you? How, how, can, it, how can my walk with you be easier? How can I serve you better? What do I have to do to, to I don't know, just be as humble as you want me to do, as you want me to be? And the truth is that it's in one scripture. It says that we could do all things through Christ who strengthens us. And we cannot be humble if we're not seeking God, if we're not seeking him every day, if we're not asking for his advice every day. We can't do it. If I don't get up every morning and I ask God for his strength, if I don't rely on his strength, then I'm just a human with no power at all. 
So when we lean on God, when we seek God, he is there. And he gives us everything that we need to be what we want to be. Amen? Now, I, I talked to you guys about how, you know, Jonah was proud and how I was proud. And, and, I, and I'm pretty sure that some of you guys could relate to some of this. I'm pretty sure that some of you guys have been proud at that point. If, if there's any pride in your heart and you know that, think about it right now. Can you raise your hand? If there's any pride at all in your heart? There is. We're humans. It's easy. We're used to it. You know, some of us lived unsafe for so many years that it's like, it's kind of like part of our flesh now, you know. We're not used to being humble. We're not used to allowing people to humble us. We're not used to taking, you know, criticism. But, you know, at the same time, you know that you've changed. You know, I'm sure that if somebody would have criticized Adolfo when he wasn't safe, he probably would have been like, what's up, man, you know. And now it's like, all right, gotcha, you know. But his attitude has changed. And the same thing with Susie, you know. With all of us, everybody that's safe, you know, our attitude has changed. I've seen that in my sister. And she's a testimony. She used to, wow. <laughs> she used to go crazy on me before when she wasn't safe than I wasn't, you know. And I was like, I, I say something that's probably not too nice for her. She might give me a dirty look, but she won't hit me anymore, you know what I'm saying? And she has changed. And that's all due to God. And, and I want to give you guys an example of, of true humility. Turn your Bibles with me to Luke 22, verse 44. Can you play that video, Susie? If you're there, say, I'm there. Luke 22, verse 44 says, Jesus knelt down and prayed, Father, if you are willing, take this cup from me, yet not my will, but yours be done. See, Jesus was being asked by his Father to do something, and, and God the Father was not asking Jesus to do his homework like our mothers do. You know, he was not asking him to, to go clean his room. He was not asking him to go help his Father. God was asking Jesus to die on a cross for us, just like that. He says, son, now it's time for you to go and die for these sinners, for the people who, who disrespect us, for the people who are disobedient. That's what I want you to do. And, and I'm sure that when Jesus was in heaven, he was willing because he, he so loved the world, right? But when he was here as a human, as a man, he was 100% God and 100% man. And as, as God, he knew what he was going to go through. He knew he was going to go through that. He knew it. But he also knew how he was going to feel. He knew that his flesh would feel so much pain and that it would be so hurtful. When somebody beats you, when somebody smacks you, it hurts. It really hurts. But you know when it hurts more? It's when it comes from people who love you, people who you love. That's when it hurts the most. And all those people who crucified Jesus, all those people who spit on him, who kicked him, who threw him on the dirt, who gave him the cross, who put that crown on his head, he loved them. He loved them so much 
and he died for them, you know. And and if you read on verse 42, it's, it's very clear that him as a man did not want to go through that pain. Nobody would. Nobody would want to go through that pain. And he asked the Father, Lord, if you're willing, take this cup from me. Take this cup from me. Lord God, if you're willing, take this cup from me. And then he says, but yet not my will, but your will be done. So he basically said, it doesn't matter if I don't want to do it, God. I will do what you want me to do. And if you want me to die, if you want me to be spit on, if you want me to be humiliated, if you want me to be hurt, if you want me to bleed to death for the sins of them, I'll do it. He said, I'll do it. And in verse 44 says, And being in anguish, he prayed more earnestly, and, and his sweat was like drops of blood falling on the ground. That's how scared he was. It's a man, he was sweating like, like drops of blood. That's how much he was sweating. He was scared. He didn't want to go through that. He did not want to feel that pain. He knew what it was going to feel like. He did not want it. Look at that. That is not even compared. That is just a movie. That is not a real Jesus. Can you imagine it in, in real life, what it was like, what he felt? You see? And, and then we complain when we are asked to do things like when my mom asks me to wash the dishes. I'm too happy sitting down watching TV and I complain. And I don't do what my mother asks me to do or I may give her an attitude. But what did Jesus do when God the Father asked him, Son, go die on the cross for them. Go bleed for them. Go, go suffer for them. Go pay for their consequences. What did Jesus do? His response at that time was like, Lord, not my will, but your will be done. And not again, not again did he ask the Lord to take that cup from him again. Not again did he ask God, Lord, can you just spare me from this? That was the only time that Jesus said this to him. The only time. I wonder if all of you, like, who in here is truly humble with your relationship with God? That when God asks you to do something, you say, yes, Lord, I'll do it. When he's asking you not to, not to give your mommy attitudes, when he's asking you to keep yourself from marriage, when he's asking you not to listen to worldly music, when he's asking you to serve him, when he's asking you to go and preach his word, I wonder what we say to him. And I myself feel convicted at times because I know that I don't do everything the way that I should. Just to think that my God did that for me. He loves us so much. Guys, he loves us so much. Girls, he loves you so much. Matt, he, he loves you with all of his heart. He thinks of you. He didn't complain, you know. If you read the Gospels, when he went through all that, he didn't complain. And I could just imagine the pain when he looked into the eyes of those people who were crucifying him. 
him knowing that he was dying for them. He loved them like their own, like his own kids. Can you imagine your kids crucifying you? Your own kids. As much as you love them, can you imagine them spitting on you? Can you imagine what it feels like? If Just think of the person that you love the most right now. Can you imagine that person beating you? Can you imagine that person killing you? I want you guys to take right now just one minute, one minute, 60 seconds, and, and just think about think about what God is asking you right now. God is going to speak to some of you right now. And he's, I believe right now that he's going to tell many of you the things that you need to change. I believe that he's going to tell many of you the parts, in your air, the parts in your life that you need to be humble in. God, I just, I just thank you for this day, Lord. I thank you, Lord, for everything that you have done, oh God. I thank you, Lord, for the salvation that you have given me, oh God. I thank you, Lord, for the chances that you have given to everybody in here, oh God. Lord, we adore you, God. I adore you, Lord, and I cannot thank you enough for what you did on the cross, oh God. But what I could do, oh God, is serve you, Lord. What I could do, God, is try my hardest to be obedient, oh God. Try my hardest to be the humble servant that you want me to be, oh God. Now, guys, I want to ask some of you. Are you guys proud right now? God would ask you right now, can you leave everything that's not of you, of me right now? If he asks you personally, can you leave these things behind? Can you leave the worldly music behind? Can you please not disobey me? Can you please try your hardest to focus on me right now? Can you please not worry about that kid right now? Can you please not worry about that girl? Can you please not worry about that guy? Can you please worry about me right now? Can you give me the time that I deserve? Can you love me the way that I'm supposed to be loved? What would you say to him? Would you say, yes, Lord, I would? Would you be obedient? Or would you be like Jonah? Would you run away from it? Would you ignore it? That's between you and God, but let me say this to you. Jonah got his punishment. I got my punishment when I was proud. And I will still be punished if I'm proud. And if you're proud now, if you know you're not right with God, if you have not been born again, if you're rejecting God's word, if you're not giving him the space that he deserves, if you're not giving him what he deserves if you're not making him a priority in your life. Know right now that God is opposing you. 
God is supposing some of you. You know, just a few months ago, we had we had this youth group packed. We had close to 100 people. We had to go get chairs from next door because we, we ran out of them. Some of the leaders had to sit on the floor. But when God gave us a word and he said, would you make room for me? When he said, make room for me, put everything behind. Let them focus on me right now. It was a way of asking them to leave their pride behind and, and put God as their priority. It was a, a way of God asking them, can you forget what you're coming here for and come for me? And many of those said, no, I won't. And they ran away from God just like Jonah did, just like I did at some point. And may God have mercy on those people because God is opposing them right now. God is opposing that attitude. Your Lord and Savior, the God that died on the cross for you right now, is asking you, humble yourself and come to me so that I may exalt you in due time. If you know there's things in your heart, if you know in the bottom of your heart that you are not right with God, if you know that you don't have a relationship with him, that you're not humble the way that you should be, that you're not giving God the time that he deserves, that you're not obeying him when he's asking you to do something. Come up to the altar right now. Humble yourself now. God is asking you, don't worry about anybody else. Don't worry about what's going on. Come to me. If you want to know me, I am here. And you will get to know me and you will love me and I will love you. But you first got to humble yourself. If some of you feel like you should come up here, but you won't, you're afraid of what people are going to think. You're afraid of what's going to happen. That's pride right there. God is calling some of you by name, and I know, I know that he has so many plans for your life. 